Welcome to the Break the Stigma podcast, where each episode, we focus on raising awareness and debunking the negative stigma behind mental health. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Angel. I'm Kiana. And this is... And welcome to... The Break the Stigma Stigma podcast. This is not coordinated over Zoom. Um, no. So if you guys are wondering why we're on Zoom today, it's because we have a special guest, as you can see this third block here. Um, her name is Morgan. Do you want to introduce yourself to the crowd? That is non-existent. Please do. Hi guys, I'm Morgan. Um, I am a college graduate uh, from 2019. Uh, I still live with my parents as per usual. Um, and it is a nice and rainy Friday afternoon here in New Jersey. It is. Weatherman. <laughs> Thank you. All of us have one thing in common, and that is eating disorders. Eating disorders. <laughs> so much fun. You said Morgan's the reason why we met and know each other. Yeah, she is. Thanks, Morgan. Hashtag thanks, Morgan. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Morgan. Um, but I realized before um, we hopped on today that all of us actually have three different eating disorders, technically speaking. Kiana, don't you have, weren't you diagnosed with ED, EDNOS, eating disorder not otherwise specified? Well, no. no. OSFED, which was EDNOS. OSFED. Other specified feeding or eating disorder. And I- Said you all of the things. <laughs> I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, which I still do not know what the nervosa part means. Does it mean I'm nervous? Because I am. It means you're nervous. I'm very nervous. And then Morgan, did you get diagnosed with bulimia? Or? No, so I'm actually diagnosed with anorexia binge purge oh. subtype. What they, what they have described to me is that like, my binge purge episodes are driven by my periods of like restriction. So like, that's how, like, that's how like it came into fruition because I never fit the criteria. I was before, before I was diagnosed as um, anorexia binge purge, um, I was eating disorder, not otherwise specified um, because I didn't ever fit the criteria for anything because I was so all over the place. So yeah. after this about last stint in treatment, they're like, okay, well, we're going to give you a diagnosis and this is the diagnosis that you're going to have. And that's the one that we feel fits you best. And I was like, all right, fam. Do you agree with it? Um, I- yeah, definitely. Because what I've always struggled with um, is that like with the idea of having anorexia binge purge subtype, it doesn't mean that I... I do binge, but like it can lead to me having binge episodes. Um, But with my particular set of anorexia, I am very frequently like, like restricting all of my food. And then at the end of the day, like if I have that one meal, then I have to purge that one meal. So it feels like a binge, it's subjective binge, but it's, it's never, it can't be classified as a literal binge. So it just turns into a purge. So I, I mean, that's where it feels the most understandable for all of that. Gotcha. And Kiana, do you agree with yours or would you rather just be basic bulimic? <laughs> yeah, I, cause funny thing, I was for the most of the eating disorder realm, I have always had like eating disorder otherwise specified. Um, but for a short period of time, I was diagnosed with specifically bulimia. And I, that's when I felt like the most like, yay, because not yay, but 
I was glad that I didn't have like something like, like, you know, like just, you know, a random eating disorder. I had a name that people knew. Like the other day I was in the ambulance because, you know, I was having heart problems and they asked like what eating disorder I had. And I told her and she looked at me like I was crazy because she only, I guess, assumed, like only knew the two yeah, or maybe the three, if you count like the whole thing. Um, well, I do, it is a thing. So three. <laughs> um, so I'm not a huge fan of having it, but again, like Morgan said, it fits my symptoms. Like I literally, I do all three um, and they're sporadic at times when I, sometimes I will restrict heavily. Other times I will binge heavily and not purge. And other times I will purge after I eat or I'll purge after a binge. So it is all, um, all craziness all over the place. Gotcha. Gotcha. For me, um, I have only ever had the one diagnosis since I was 14. And I mean, I think it stuck pretty well, but I also think that as I got older and like went through puberty more and things started changing, like I also feel like anorexia, just that one word doesn't fit everything that I struggle with because I do also have episodes of binging. I don't purge, but I do have episodes where I eat a lot and then episodes where I restrict. So I'm not sure where I would fall in the category because um, it wouldn't be anorexia binge purge type because I don't purge. So I'm not sure. It's very confusing, the diagnoses, because there's so many different aspects of eating disorders. It's not something like bipolar, where you just have mood swings and impulsivity. Like it's like more complex. And you, I feel like no one with an eating disorder actually has just one set eating disorder. Like it's very more complex than that. Yeah. And like the word, the the most difficult thing that I find with eating disorders is that as you start to like taper down one of those symptoms, something else almost completely either irrelevant or completely random or something that may just sound like a really good idea to your eating disorder at the time will just pop up. And then it just becomes like batting down each symptom that comes up. And it's just, it's just like almost like a never ending battle. Yeah. Me and Kiana were talking about, um, cross addiction how like when our eating disorder is at bay then the self-harm like comes out and mm-hmm. vice versa yeah absolutely. yeah I definitely feel that way with all of them like if and that's I've like I've almost been kicked out of programs for like like when my eating disorder starts to like kind of calm down like I'll start using like uh substances like I'll start like drinking more I'm of age which is fine but like I'll start drinking more and like it's a sober program they're like you're not supposed to be drinking so why are you doing this it's like I don't know. Just seems like a good thing to do. But um, about the cross addiction thing and eating disorder, sometimes it's not even like my whole eating disorder because, you know, I, I do all the things. So right now in my current, <laughs> Morgan's like, oh God, dear child. But right now my purging has been like un- more under control. So now they're like the restricting is-, is going up, which is frustrating. And then like a part of me is like, okay, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that ranks their symptoms um, as like good or bad. So like, I, this, this isn't bad for me. Cause at least I'm not binging and at least I'm not purging. Um, so that's even been, been a struggle. And I think it's also dangerous too. ranking. I also rank my symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's also dangerous in a fact, in a sense, because like each, like all of them are equally dangerous. Like all eating disorders are equally dangerous, but for some reason in my mind, like I, this is going to sound so selfish. So please excuse me. <laughs> for some reason, I feel like anorexia is the better of all the eating disorders because at least I'm losing weight. Yeah. <laughs> saving it. 
And that is my mentality on it. Um, I know it probably sounds like horrible and obviously that is an eating disorder way of thinking, but like as someone that struggles with both restricting and binging, whenever I'm in my restricting phase, I'm like, okay, this is fine because I'm, I'm doing things to help me get to where my eating disorder wants me to be and not the other way. That's so true though. There is an interview with um, Jeanette McCurdy, the girl that played Sam when I Carly, she basically said that like, no one really wants to be bulimic. No one really wants to like be a binge eater. Like, and it's, it's a sad truth. Like anorexia is like the tippy top of like what you want to be in your eating disorder mind. But like you said, Angel, all of them are not, all of them are bad, you know, all of them are not healthy all of them cause some like some terrible side effects that you don't want to be in. Well, I was just saying how like the like the it's like a hierarchy. Like there's always been this hierarchy within the eating disorder community and like even within the community of like the me- medical field. Like if somebody is anorexic, they're going to see them and be like, "Oh, well like if you tell them and like you can there's like the visible change that like their body like they are obviously malnourished like you can be malnourished at any size like malnourishment doesn't come from just being underweight malnourishment means that you are not getting the nutrients that your body needs in order for it to be sustainable and like that's what people don't understand and that, and that stigma follows everyone within this eating disorder community is that like you can be malnourished at any size because your body won't be able to get the nutrients that it needs to operate on the day-to-day basis. And that's forgotten across all boards. And I think that that's definitely something I struggle with the most is the appearance aspect of it. Because like, I mean, in my mind, I'm like an average weight. Obviously we're not going to say numbers because that could be triggering for people. Um, but it, like, I am an, at an average weight. I'm not under, I'm not overweight according to doctors and BMI and all that bullshit. Um, BMI. Yeah. Fuck BMI. So I struggle a lot when it comes to my diagnosis because I feel like I don't have the look of an anorexic and I feel Mm -hmm. like people won't believe that I struggle with this because I don't fit the thigh gap or the ribs poking out or any of that other bullshit that like Tumblr anorexia type shit. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have any of that. And so I definitely mm-hmm. struggle with the appearance aspect. And I feel like whenever I was younger, I tried so, so much harder to restrict because I wanted so badly to fit the look of it. Yeah, I, I that's when I first, you know, was like diagnosed with it and first went into treatment for having an eating disorder. This, the whole idea of like not being sick enough was huge in my brain. Like um, at that time I was an average weight but I think I had to realize, like, even though I was an ad- average rate, I was malnourished. And I also had, like, this, like, these terrible emotional problems that is an eating disorder. Like, you know, like the saying, eating, eating disorders are not just about food. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it took a, t- a lot to, like, realize, like, yeah, no, this isn't just about the food. It's about I'm not good with myself. About oh, yeah, it. that one. <laughs> yeah, that. that. <laughs> um, I actually had that struggle whenever I was in eating disorder treatment. And for the viewers watching or anyone listening, me and Morgan actually met in eating disorder treatment. Um, and I had that issue because their um, other patients obviously looked 
more sick than I did or and or they fit the stereotype of having an eating disorder and I didn't and so I felt like I didn't deserve to be there as much as the next person because I didn't fit the look and I wasn't as deep in my eating disorder as they were so why should I be in treatment over them so I definitely get I think that's like what I I think that the thing that stinks that I started my treatment out at Renfrew it's like a good thing and a bad thing the good thing was was that when I walked into those that those doors like for Renfrew like there was bodies of every size and like people in so many different areas and parts and exposures of this eating disorder. So like my first like experience of it, I I have to say I was really lucky at the fact that like I was able to see bodies at every size that are going through the same struggles as I was, especially knowing that like my size did not fit does not fit the standard of having anorexia or having even even having bulimia at the time like my body was my like I was so judgmental about where my body was but then like it was so difficult for me to exist in the the sphere of um treatment that I was in at that time because like Kiana was saying my mental health was an absolute disaster So I was like, I wasn't able to take care of myself. I was like, the only thing that I could focus on like every day was like waking up and like just having to put food in my body because I couldn't keep my eyes open because I was just a mess. Um, And it's funny because we were just talking about how Angel and I met in treatment. Kiana and I met in treatment my first time. I actually didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. So my first time in treatment. You did it? But the funny thing was that if you were to ask me if I was in treatment with her, she'd say no, because nobody knew that I existed. Like I was the girl who slept on the couch all day, every day. Like they would just leave me. Like I never went to a group. I would hide until they, they had to send uh, like the counselors out to find me before meals. Cause I just like, wouldn't move. And then come around like the whole full circle. I started treatment at PHP with Kiana and she's like, wait, you were there with me? She's like, when did, when did that happen? And then I've never left treatment since. <laughs> I think when I met you, it was my second or third stint <laughs> at residential. And yeah, I have vague memories of you like laying down on, in the ULR, mm-hmm. on, in the corner mm-hmm. of the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I didn't, so like, when I saw you in PHP, I was like, hmm, okay. Like I looks familiar, but like, I probably am imagining things, but yeah, that's, we met in 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh wait, maybe that was my first stint then. (laughs) No, I think it was your second. Yeah. But I, fun fact, I do remember having a full-blown conversation about with you from, I think this is the only conversation I remember from the entire thing, but you were like one of the people who lived like the closest to me. So then I was like, oh, this girl and I are going to become best friends and look at us now. Like, <laughs> wait, four years later, living our best life. Living our best life. Do you guys Still eating disorder treatment. Yeah, all of us. Do all you guys ever, um, do you guys ever feel like at all that like I mean all of us are obviously really good friends and we're all really supportive of each other but do you ever think that our relationship in some ways could be deemed as like toxic since all of us are still so deep in our eating disorders and struggling with it do you ever think of it as like it could be triggering to each other or are we like all yes and no like I think different points of my relationship with both of you guys it was definitely to trigger myself um yeah, especially with with me, Morgan and I, when we were both in PHP together. I forgot that existed. 
Yep. We were not good. Remember when we went to Panera one time together um, with her boyfriend at the time, and we both got salads um, with like barely anything on it. And we both restricted the salads. And we promised ourselves trying to be like recovery buddies, even though like we knew that we were both not feeling it, that we would eat the rest of the salad when we got home. I know I didn't, I don't know if you did. It was, So yes, in some senses, but I feel like now that we're farther along in our recovery, um, well, I'm like farther along, I wouldn't get triggered as much by like what you guys do or say regarding like meals or whatever, because at the end of the day, I gotta live with my decisions. <laughs> yeah. I think think that's a really hard um, thing to think about because like there's always this idea that people shouldn't like become best friends with the people that they go into treatment with but then at the same time there's also the idea that like so many people find their like forever friends in treatment because like they're the people that understand like Mm -hmm. the my girlfriend I guess we will call her she (laughs) I also met in treatment but and I love her but the the idea is that like like I couldn't see myself like having the conversations that I have with her with any other person. And it's so much easier to like talk about how much I'm actually struggling or like how well I may actually be doing with this person because like she gets it. Like, and like when talking to you guys, like you guys get it. So like, yeah, there's sometimes where I'll hold back on some of the things that I say and like do things like that. But I always want to hear because if I don't have a solution and one of you guys do, like, I want to hear it because like getting out of this on your own is nearly impossible. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Like being like the worst thing you can do when in recovery from anything, even if it's like alcoholism or anything else is being alone in it. Mm -hmm. Like it's too big of I mean I don't want to personify it but it's too big of an asshole disorder to be able to like conquer on your own so you definitely need to have big like supports around you to help you go through it because honestly like I don't know where I would be if I wasn't able to vent to you guys or mm-hmm. have meals with you. like me and Kiana went to Panera every single Tuesday um when we were on campus like that was like our thing I don't know honestly I don't yeah. even know if I would be eaten on Tuesdays without Kiana like that was my motivation same get food so it's definitely like it could be like you guys said harmful and really really helpful at the same time yeah yeah I agree and especially like I I don't know about you Morgan but I know about you Angel I'm the only one with like an eating disorder in my family um so there's no one in my immediate like area bubble who gets it Mm -hmm. so having Mm -hmm. you two who get it and understand and know like the ins and outs of it it's it's very helpful yeah I definitely agree because like my family like my mom had an eating disorder when she was like in her 20s so like she's like been through it but she's just one of those people who's like well I toughed it out like I got myself through it like you can too and I'm like yeah toxic positivity yeah yeah we'll do that um but like other than that like my siblings like I have I have like two older sisters and younger brother none of them have any clue like what I'm doing half the time like they don't realize that like sometimes like just sitting through a meal is like the amount of strength that I can give them for that day um Mm -hmm. and I think that's like what's really difficult is like having a like 
not so supportive family versus like a very supportive friend group where you're like, I can get all of the things that I need for my friends. But like when it comes to reaching out to my family and getting the things I need, it just kind of falls short. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. So that's why and, I definitely, sorry. So that's why I definitely rely on my recovery friends a lot. Yeah. I was going to say like, it's not even that like my family doesn't want to be supportive. It's just that they don't understand. Like they yeah. have no clue. Like what, like me being afraid of hamburgers like they can't process why the fuck that's like an issue for me like they just think that I'm being crybaby probably um but like so it's not that like they try their best to support me like my mom will say like did you eat today or whatnot but like they like don't like I can't go to them when I'm struggling because they wouldn't understand like you guys like I can go to you guys if I'm like having a trigger food and like having a hard time eating it or things like that but yeah so with that being said, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss our um, journey and how we are in our recovery today, as well as how our eating disorders initially started. So yeah, we'll see you after the break. Hey guys, it's Angel and Kiana from Vic the Stigma Podcast. And we're here to tell you how easy it is to start a podcast with Anchor. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download Download the the free Anchor Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. (laughs) Okay, welcome back. Welcome back, guys. But, so, um, we wanted to talk about our experiences with our eating disorders and how that all started and all that. So, Angel, let's kick it off with you. How did your eating disorder start? Um, So, um, I was very severely bullied in my upbringing in middle school, mostly. Um, I was in cheer actually, and that's how it started because I was told that I was too fat to be a cheerleader. Um, because you know, cheerleaders, there's they there's a stereotype where all cheerleaders have to be like fit and skinny and pretty and all nice. And I wasn't that apparently in middle school as a 13-year-old. Um, so yeah, I started off hearing that all the time from girls that were in cheer with me. Or I have like this distinct memory of whenever I was in lunch, I, my mom had brought me a muffin from Duncan, and this girl came up to me and she was like, that won't help you get the cheerleader body. And she took my muffin and threw it out. Um, and that oh was like God. the first experience that I remember where I just knew that food was not for me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's where it all definitely stemmed from. And then it just grew from there. Like the flashbacks in my mind of the girl taking my muffin and telling me that I, I don't need it and that I'm not going to be skinny if I eat a muffin. Like that just stuck with me all these years for some reason. And now here I am. On to you, Morgan. Um, <clears throat> so the first instance where I realized that like, like, like I had a different body from my siblings and my family. And like, that was supposed to be, that's like a bad thing, quote unquote. 
um, was like growing up, I would get these comments from people saying that, oh, you don't look like your sisters. Like, wow, your sisters are really, really beautiful. Like what happened to you? Like that, those, those words had actually come out of people's mouths when they've come to like describe me. Um, and like growing up, I was never, I had a lot of like familial based judgments on placed upon my body um with like what I was allowed to wear what I was allowed to go out of the house in and things like that and this idea that like my body was not my own was something that was kind of normal to me because like my mother would dress me like she would tell me what I was allowed to walk out of the house in and so like all of these comments about like oh my body doesn't look good in these size clothes but my body does look good in these size clothes or like things like that like it was always dictated by what was being said um my first instance of like the eating disorder actually beginning was in eighth grade I was hanging out with this one girl her name was Amber um and we like took a picture it was on those like really the flip phones like you remember the envies you you all uh, remember the envies so I had the green one I had the green one and it was the, the the big one it was the envy first generation we took a picture on that and it ended up on my Facebook because I was it was eighth grade like I had just gotten a Facebook I thought I was all cool um and my stomach happened to be sticking out a little bit um and somebody tagged the picture as like fattest stomach like on the picture because like people could t anonymously tag people in pictures like at the time it was before they had like the facial recognition and all of that like it was originally like you would have to tap each person and tag them individually and somebody did that and then I like went to the girl I was like what do I do about this like I'm this what does this mean like what do you like what do I do and she's just like well like all you gotta do is just like start skipping some meals and stuff like that and I'm like what and she's just like just, just watch, I'll show you. And throughout the rest of the year, she, she taught me how to, to skip meals. And it's been a little downhill ever since. These stories are horrible. <laughs> What's your story, Kiana? Yeah, Kiana. I know, I'm like, yeah, these stories are horrible, but like, you know, same. Um, I was also bullied as a child um, and in middle school, but um, it didn't start until I was a sophomore in high school. Um, again, like I, y'all know, I don't even know. I think you two know, but I don't know if like I announce this probably I'm a quadruplet. So like what, what Morgan was saying about looking at your siblings and not having the same body, literally, I did not have the same body. My, all of my siblings are tall. I am short and I have always been, I've always had like some extra meat chubbiness. Um, and I was not a fan. So, um, I transferred to a new high school. Um, my sophomore year, um, BCIT, woot, um, and I decided, like, okay, I'm just gonna get into shape, you know, like, not, not, nothing eating disorder was attached to that, I think I just got, like, really obsessed with, like, the over-exercising, and then realized, like, okay, I, like, I just don't have to eat at lunch, and then that turned out, like, I don't have to eat breakfast, and then it turned out like, okay, I don't really need dinner either. And I can just have like snacks. Um, snack being like <laughs> two pretzels. <laughs> it's not good. Um, staples. Yeah, of course, you know, all, all the macronutrients. <laughs> um, so that's really how like my eating disorder morphed, but it's, but I, also I was dealing with, you know, depression and self-harm at the time too so the eating, eating disorder I was I like 
had gone without cutting for like a long, the longest time ever in my life once my eating disorder started. And I didn't even put that together until like later on, like that was how I dealt with everything. So you think you replaced self-harm with your eating disorder? Yeah, until I was forced into treatment and then I did both. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted wanted to go back to actually what Morgan was saying about like feeling like your body isn't your own. I'm not sure about you, Morgan, but I know me and Kiana have both had like some sort of sexual trauma, a trigger warning. I was going to say, I think that like going back, like looking back on it now, like, yeah, my eating disorder started from me being heavily bullied. Um, but I think also having to deal with something like that and knowing that my body wasn't my own, I just grew to hate it. And because it wasn't mine, I definitely grew to hate my body and hate myself and feel like I wasn't deserving of being in the body that I am because my body was taken from me, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I was, what I was thinking was that like, that's like when, when I was like, speaking on most of those terms like that's like when I first noticed that the eating disorder like appeared but then when it when it has morphed over the years or like even like disappeared and just like reappeared at different times like it's been like following these like traumatic experiences and these traumatic events where like I have no way to cope with this so the only thing that's left in my control is like what I'm able to put into my body and like when it came when like push came to shove like And even now it's like hard to say that like going to the eating disorder wouldn't be the first thing that I would go to if like something traumatic happened again. And like, that's, what's really frustrating is that like, it just is so safe in so many ways, like until a certain point until it's not anymore, which is the problem with it is that like getting away from that just is, is difficult. I think another thing that has to do with it is just their attachment to other, like to the world, I guess. Like, even though, let's say they weren't bullied, but they've always felt, like, out of place um, for no, like, rhyme or reason. Um, a lot of, like, like self, negative self-talk that stemmed from, like, what you find in the world. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Kiana, I can, hold on, I can, I can help you with this. So Good. I also, Perfect. like, I have, I know people, like, there are people, I have, this, I've been in treatment, this is, has been my third time in residential treatment, my maybe fifth time potentially gonna be in PHP don't know what's happening with that yet but like I absolutely have met people who have have met this eating disorder and have never been like predisposed to like any significant trauma in their life which doesn't mean to say that their their eating disorder is less valid or anything like that it's just it's very much in terms of like the things that you feel that you need to control in your life um, there's a high, high pressure on perfectionism. And we all know that, that there's this idea that we have to strive to be the best that we can be and anything that we do in order to like make up for the fact that other things in our lives are out of control. Um, and a lot of times that when it comes down to the people who like say that they haven't experienced trauma or don't feel that their trauma is even like deemed like the reason why their eating disorder started, like a lot of these things like can create different avenues for like different issues to pop up and like sometimes like the eating disorder can cause a trauma but sometimes the trauma can cause the eating disorder and like it goes both ways just mm-hmm. like me <laughs> 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 but, uh, both ways, gang. <laughs> sorry that that needed to be said I felt like it was just a great end note to that 
So do you guys want to end the episode with um, no. our recovery is going now and where we are in yeah. our lovely journey of success or failure or anywhere in between that we are? <clears throat> Let's talk about Morgan as the guest. How is your recovery journey going? Tell, tell right. everyone where you were in treatment because I'm very jealous. And okay. So jealous. So for those of you who don't know me, some of you will know me, that's okay. Um, I just spent the last four months in California doing some um, pretty intensive treatment. I gotta say, it's not all sunshine and rainbows out there, Um, but I spent four months there. I did a month and a half of residential treatment. So like close to like 40, 45 days um, of residential treatment. Um, And then I stepped down into their PHP and IOP program Um, And they, um, this program is actually very fortunate to have on-site living. So um, we would be in apartments, it would be in uh, recovery community apartments. um, And we would live with other people from the community. um, And then we would get picked up every morning in a van um, and then taken to our PHP site. So it was really awesome. And it was a really, really great experience. And honestly, like, I don't think I have after that whole experience, like, I don't think I've ever been closer to like seeing recovery for what it's really worth and for what it can actually do for me. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't go to show that like, there haven't been problems since I've been home. Um, because there have been, cause not everything is going to be like a perfectly straight line. Like once you start getting it. Um, but I can honestly say that like the program that I was in really definitely has changed my view on like how I see recovery and how I see it's like attainable for me. And that's pretty, pretty great. Um, And also I want to give a shout out right now to recovery record. It's one of the best apps that I have ever used in terms of like treatment and recovery. Like I have my team members on there. Like we message back and forth. They're seeing how I'm doing on a daily basis. And like, it really works for you if you work for it. And um, I just want to say that that's honestly been a really big, helpful and a game changer for me since being home is the ability to sponsored unless they want to sponsor me. Unless they want to, we're not getting paid to say this. No, we're not. I promise. That was literally me. I kind of just threw that in there. I don't even think that they knew that I was going to say that. No. Yeah, I didn't. And I don't, I'm not 100% familiar with what that is. So I should, I should do I'll my research. You. Okay. No, Angel, record, how are you? Recovery record. Oh, is sorry. Um, and I have, I used it for the first time actually when I was in PHP. So before I went to residential and I was introduced and you can have your dietitian on there, your therapist on there, your psychiatrist on there, your entire treatment team. And they can, you basically log your food and they can see it. And like Morgan was saying, you can come back and forth. They can coach you through meals if you're having a hard time, things like that. So it is really helpful. And I do recommend it for anyone that is struggling with eating disorder. But my recovery journey, um, as of right now, I, um, I'm not in any specific eating disorder treatment, but I am working very heavily with my current therapist specifically on food. I have a food journal and um, a a set amount of calories that I'm supposed to meet at every meal. So where I'm at now, um, like Morgan was saying, I think I'm pretty damn close to the light at the end of the tunnel, honestly. And that's kind of scary to say, but at the same time, it's like relieving because I never thought that I would be here. Like if you were to tell me five, six years ago that I would be out of this dark place that I'm in, like I wouldn't believe you at all because I never thought that I would escape it and I never thought that I would be able to overcome and like talk over the eating disorder voice, but I'm learning to work through it more. So yeah. 
That's awesome. I am envious. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you, Kiana? Well, today was my last day at PHP. So next week I am starting IOP, which I'm excited about, excited and nervous. Um, but I'm really glad that I will be in IOP and practicing everything that I've learned, like in program outside, because I don't have to be there until four. So a lot of a lot of practice. And for those of you that um, aren't familiar with like eating disorder terms, um, PHP is partial hospitalization program. And then after that, you step down to IOP, which is an intense outpatient program. So Kiana yeah, was PH doing Kiana was doing the PHP and now she's been doing so well that they stepped her down to IOP and I'm very, very proud. Um, uh, yeah, PHP is like five, six days um, a week, depending on like your, how long you've been there. Can, you can step down to five days of uh, six hour days. Um, so it's like, yeah. And then IOP is three hours and it goes from five days to three days. And then discharge. The program I was just in was a seven day a week program for PHP. Seven I would go crazy. Days. I, and that's the thing is that I've never been in a program like that. All every, yeah. and that's the things I've been in a lot of programs. I've been in mental health, like rehab programs where it's a PHP IOP, did all of that for five days a week. And then you'd step down to two to three days a week. Renfrew is five days a week, step down to two, three to three days a week. Um, Seeds of Hope, five days a week, step down to three days a week. And then I go to freaking Alsana and it's like, hi, you don't have a day off for the entire time you're in PHP until you step down to IOP. They high key have their shit together. Like to be honest. So the reason, the reason why I totally speak like a very highly of Asana is that they incorporate movement into their, their treatment modules. So like movement is a lot, is a big part of everybody's lives. Like whether they are either an athlete or even just like day-to-day -day movement, like they incorporate that into how they like, into how they do their program. Like it's one of their core values is that like movement is a part of life. And like, it can be very beneficial for some people to learn how to have a healthy, like food uh, exercise balance. Um, and they have like entire sessions just discussing like how exercise plays a part in like your movement and like how you view your body and things like that. That's awesome. Especially because in a lot of PHPs and residentials, they strongly prohibit any sort of exercise. Like I remember, remember in Seeds of Hope, we had to get approval from the dietitian to walk to the mailbox. Mailbox. We had to get approval to walk to the mailbox and that mm -hmm. was like a reward. And then mm -hmm. also if you yeah. did even better, you got five minutes on the treadmill. Whoa. Wow. What the wow. hell? What's super and then what's my, like, no wonder it's closed really down like there's things about that that makes it feel very disordered that like oh if it you're does. good like you earn this but like with alsana is that like like there's just like the gradual like in res this is however it is like when you're in res they do um like it is very very minimal exercise and then you can earn like staff walks so then you can go around the block with the staff um, and then you can earn solo walks, which means that you can go on a 15 to 30 minute solo walk, like by yourself, like with a phone and you're allowed to like, just do whatever you want for like a half hour off property. Um, so like, it's kind of just like built into the program where it makes it feel like it's not so like, oh, I ate food today. That means I get to go for a walk. They mm -hmm. just made everything. Like you had to earn everything. You never like 
going on a walk is normal. Going on a walk is not eating disorder behavior. Like it can be if you're sprinting and like mm-hmm. not stopping until you're passed out, but like going on a walk like is normal behavior. They made everything seem so not normal. Like a five minute walk on a treadmill, no one's gonna go to the gym and do a five minute walk on the treadmill. So whenever mm-hmm. I discharge from residential, I felt like I forgot how to function. Like I literally felt like I still had to ask permission to walk to my own mailbox mm-hmm. because they just made it seem so like unrealistic. And I, that's oh why I didn't God. really like about them. And granted, like we, we do have to make notice, like men- mention of the people who like, who are either just beginning in their eating disorder journey and like people who are like really, really struggling within their eating disorders right now, because like there are people who like do have to teach themselves like how to like, just like walk to the mailbox and not like think about how many calories they're burning and stuff like that. Cause there's like a lot of people who like are like eating disorder, like anorexia is one of the, one of the highest, like the mortality rates of most mental, of all mental illnesses. And like, that's not talked mm-hmm. about enough. And it's also because like these people, like they are like forced into treatment and they are like, you aren't going to be able to leave this bed until you get to X weight and are able to function mm-hmm. on your own. And so a lot of times they do have to reteach themselves, like how to like walk to the mailbox and not think about like the first thing that's in their mind is like, how many calories am I going to burn from this? you know yeah, exactly I'm picking up what you're putting down well guys with that being said we are going to cut the episode off there so thank you guys so much for watching and thank you Morgan for joining us on this episode today it was such a pleasure having you um yeah yeah we yeah yes that you guys will tune in next time yeah yeah